With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, uh, yeah. We got the vibe on deck, bro. Four dope brothers talking sports, so let's go. If you could just imagine some dudes into music, get together to talk trash about whose teams are losing. So here we go. Deke Turner, John Lane, Trey Illy, Jay Hill, the MVP, court in the history. So now what? They got their mics and gizmos. Podcast rapper for DC, what it is, Mo. Yeah. Welcome to Sports and Things, a weekly podcast where we go in depth on sports and music topics of the week. Featuring John Lane, Trey Ely, Jay Hill, and host Dennis Turner. Welcome everybody to Sports and Things. I'm your host, Dennis Turner. I have the bros with me as usual, Jay Hill, uh, John Lane, and Trey Ely. Fellas, what up, bros? Yeah, what's up, man? What's up? <laughs> Salutations. This has been a, um, a very interesting week, very hard week for a lot of us. Um with a lot of the things that are going on, but we're gonna we're gonna dive into all the news that has been affecting us as humans and as black men and as black people. And but we'll start with how we always start the show with local sports. And oh, um, we'll the story that's coming out of <laughs> DC right now is uh, lawyers call on Goodell to remove Snyder as the majority owner if the independent NFL investigation substantiates claims that the former employees made Wednesday in the Washington Post article. Now, so, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm still really confused about this whole situation because it started off as, you know, Snyder coming out saying that they hired um, Wilkinson as their attorney. And now this new story is coming out that Goodell was the one that ordered Wilkinson and I guess forced her on to Snyder? Like I'm I, I'm not clear on what's happening right now. Well it's looking like Snyder tried to get in front of the ball, but he also dragged his feet. Like you 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 hire the people and you you think you, you put a band-aid on it. Like, all right, I hired the people, they're gonna leave us alone. But these stories are still coming out and it's making the NFL what when you say NFL, we're talking about the other owners because we all know that the commissioner is the voice for the other owners. 
So you're making the other owners at this point force Goodell, force Goodell's hand. And he has to speak out. He has to say something. Like, we don't know if it's going to turn into a situation where they actually ever get him out. Like, you know, because it only takes 23 votes to get him out. Like, 23 owners have to say that they want him gone, and he's gone. And the owners don't want to come out. I honestly think the owners don't want to come out and speak because if they if they speak against him and it's not looking like it's Goodell doing it, everything comes out about the other owners. And then you have that. Like, we all know that Snyder's not the only owner that turned a blind eye to something that was going on, some foul stuff that was going on in his organization, especially in relation to how they treated women. Like none of the cheerleaders get paid any money to do anything that they're doing, you know, and they have to work on their own dime to like even go to away games and all that stuff. And they all have cheerleading calendars where they have like swimsuit issues. And, you know, I, I can just imagine they're 32 teams. Like it, it can't be the only organization that has something going on like that. At all. I, I doubt it too. But, but the thing is when you're a loser, when your culture's about losing, when your business partners don't like you, when you're not, when, when, you know, people have start have reasons to, to come out and, and, and find something wrong with you. And, and I think that's what's going on here. And when you opened up this segment, you read the headline, and I had already read that headline, but I think that this was divine or something because I didn't hear you say the lawyers. I I heard you said the Lord has called Goodell Ooh. to remove Snyder. <laughs> oh, literally, that's what I heard. I, I, I said, Ooh. God, yes, Ooh. I received this. Man. The Lord has come. Come to the light, my son. Well, you know the <laughs> disclaimer is Snyder. <laughs> the disclaimer is that Trey wants Snyder gone five years ago. So, oh, and we want he, Snyder. We want Snyder gone the year that he bought. The team. Oh my goodness! Right. So, like, it, it just the writing is on the wall. We don't know for sure what the investigation is going to drum up, but at the end of the day, it's like it seems like it's going to drum up something. I don't know if it's going to be enough to to ward them getting him out of, you know, his ownership, but I think it's going to do enough for the other owners to say enough is enough and they're going to sick Goodell on them and then see what happens, you know. We this we we've never been in a situation um the NFL has never been in a situation. So it, it it's it's seeming like it's going to it's going to turn out to be something. We just don't know what yet. Man, what a mess. <laughs> It's Jeez. been a mess for 20 years. So it's the only thing that's it's, consistent it's about this only thing. It's all unraveling, man. It's just, well. And it's, it's nothing yeah, the coach can I mean, fix. It. Like, you, you bring in Rivera, um, he can't fix the, the, the culture that's been rooted here for the last 20 years. He can't fix that. Every yeah. legend, genius, uh, whatever you want to call it, wizard that they brought in here, they get in here and they start trying to do their thing and they realize, oh, I'm up under stand here and no matter what i do he has the power to undo or to overdo or to whatever yeah and it happens every time i just feel like we've had some very great minds come through washington because dan snyder won't will pay but he won't keep his hands out the pot he definitely will pay i think is literally just a sign of the times, especially involving technology, because like 
there was so much that used to be overlooked or ignored back in the day. Like, you know, everything from locker room talk to what happened between cheerleaders and players and, and, and so on with the invent of, with the advancement of technology, everything, everybody has something on somebody now almost. So it's like, like the, according to the post article, the dude that made a copy of it, made another copy of it and then called the post and was like, Hey, I got a copy of this, you know, thing that, you know, the supposedly Mr. Snyder wanted, even though like, like even the article says they never named him specifically that it was for Mr. Snyder, but it was for executive use only or something like that. So, I mean, it's just a matter of what's done in the dark is going to come to the light eventually. Oh, oh. But what does that mean for the other franchises though? Moving Same forward. thing. Same thing. Everybody, I think everybody is scrambling like to see how insulated they are. Like, like, hold on, what, what, what happens here in Green Bay stays in Green Bay, right? Okay. What, what happens here in San Fran stays in San Fran, right? Okay. So nobody's going to know blah, blah, blah. Like, like it's like on the last, um, on, on the MJ doc, the last dance when they was talking about the cocaine circus, you know what I mean? It's the stuff right. that's supposed to stay in house. It's supposed to, right. st- this, this is not supposed to be known. Like, but now you talk about it on a dock. You, I mean, right. you, you either don't have people that can corroborate or deny the story, or it's just, you know, it's just myth. You know, it's all a myth, but that's the kind of stuff that happens. I mean, that happens in, in every sort of quote unquote organization. There's some dark stuff that happens one way or the other. I mean, it's just a matter of how egregious is it? Um, did anybody die? Okay, then we're good. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's on that level. It like, in some of it is like, come on, man, all we did was ask some ladies to get topless. Nah, that's not really cool, but okay. Against Maybe. their will. Yeah, <laughs> right. Nah, that's, that's, that's prostitution almost, because you're asking ladies to meet other guys in hotel rooms. You can't do that. Basically. So... It's just, I mean, like I said, it's just a matter of, yeah, this, Washington might be the biggest, I don't know if it's the first, but it's the biggest domino to fall if all of this goes the way, like, as is seeming to look, that he gets removed. Then, it's, then like you said, it's going to be a, oh, maybe we need to clean up ship. Burn everything. Burn all the files. Wipe all the disk. You know what like I mean? It's gonna, it's gonna, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. It's going to be everything got to go. We can't have dog. We about to get audited. They about to find my whole stash. We can't let that happen. I said water. Well, I, I meant I meant well, Watergate. I <laughs> yeah, well, Watergate. Well, I mean, but anyway. <laughs> but you know what? I mean, Washington has been under the microscope since the talk of the name change, and because they're under the microscope, they're finding every little piece and every bit that they need to fix here that there are probably the same things going on with other teams. They're just not under the microscope. Like we don't know what's going on in Pittsburgh. There is no majority owner in green Bay. Your market so, matter. Right. You know what but I mean? That's owned by the people. That's owned by the people. It's, it's owned by but the that, people. So what I'm saying is like the fact your that market Dan matters. Snyder is under a microscope. They, yeah, they're going to, they're going to try to find even more. Flip every mean, rock. I was going to say, they're going to, there's but John, no stone, no stone unturned. 
don't you think that a lot of this is because of Dan Snyder, who he is and how he conducts business and people want to find something wrong? Well, I think that's part of it, but no one really initiated it until FedEx and Nike said, we're going to stop selling your shit until you change the name. Yeah. I mean, Dan as a result, is, is as a result money. of, as a result of the black lives matter movement. Yeah. And so, they were like, this is our opportunity. They were just waiting for the right moment to strike. I think it's and also, this was like, it. it is one of those Robert people Kramer. in power too. You know what I mean? Like crap, like you was getting ready to say. Getting ready say, say. Robert Kraft himself got caught in a whorehouse. Hey, yeah. no, but they're but, like, oh, Rob, look, but I just want to for us. We're going to take care of you. You but know, Dan, they're like, yeah, man, you costing us money, man. Let's go dig up some stuff on you that happened 12 years ago. Yeah, the moment <laughs> you start costing people money. Yeah, that's what I was saying. That's what I was saying thing. before. I, I feel like the, the, the moment that people were questioning Dan Snyder, especially other majority owners, was when they felt like they were losing money because of him. Like, we know that teams get paid when they're played on primetime television. But if the ratings are not showing anything, they're probably not going to get paid as much. So if let's say, let's say there's a team that is surprisingly doing well, like the, um, the Minnesota Vikings and they're scheduled to play Washington on a Monday night. Let's say this is like back in April or March and they're scheduled to play Washington on a Monday night football football night and everybody at ESPN is hitting up everybody on NFL and they're saying Washington ain't like that right now like they don't even have fans in the stands no one's gonna watch that game no one's no one's gonna watch anybody play Washington so let's take them off the schedule that's taking money out of the or the out of Minnesota's owners pockets and it's like you're costing us money we could be playing you but you're costing us money and a lot of these majority owners are either going to say, take him off of our schedule. We don't want him on our schedule this year. Or he got to get the fuck out. I mean, you well, can't, you, you, is like every, I feel like, also feel like every franchise goes through this. I know this is owner based, but every franchise goes through this. Like Cleveland had nobody in the stands for a while. I mean, they literally went 0-16. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's a, it's an ebb and flow of things, but this coupled along with we don't like how your organization runs is a complete like it's a complete like shit show. Like it's yeah, one how you treat the players. The one thing for you to treat former coaches and yeah how you I mean like look how they got Scott well, McCoy out here. They leaked the story to the you know about him drinking I mean just I think yeah. the difference between Washington and Cleveland though is that Washington has a history of good football for over a decade. They were one of the best teams in the 80s. And they, went one to the, of the, they won, the, they won, they won two out of three Super Bowls in the 80s. So and they're still one of the biggest have, franchises. And they're in, one of the, the most valuable franchises in the league. So when you have that kind of background and all of a sudden you're the laughing stock of the NFL, that doesn't compete. Like you It are puts the spotlight on you because you Absolutely. came here and you did that. Yeah. Right. And the market right. matters too. It's not like Cleveland is DC. You can't make that comparison. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I mean, look, Scott Van Pelt just moved his uh whole ESPN setup. show to DC. Whole setup to DC. He's in DC now. You know, yeah. Nationals yeah. win the World Series, Mystics win the championship. 
Capitals win Stanley Cup. Like, DC's starting to come up, and the football team is holding everybody back right now. So they got to do something. They have to do something with it. Well, it's looking like, you know, as, as always, the Washington football team is under duress, and we won't know what happens until this investigation is include, concluded, and we can only wait and see what happens with the conclusion of said investigation. And if something comes out that makes them makes the NFL as a whole move on the removal of Daniel Snyder, I think that would be to the relief of everybody on this day. Dennis, <laughs> then, Dennis, wait a minute. Are you going to the parade? What parade? <laughs> when, if Snyder gets removed, are you going to the parade? <laughs> I don't like parades, man. <laughs> it's the march of the band. I ain't going to the parade. I went parade. to the Nationals parade. <laughs> no, I'm not going to no parade. <laughs> crazy. COVID still exists. I'm not going to no social gathering with people out oh, there. Yeah, no, well, you, you, know. you can't do that. I'll go to the By parade. the time this Hit me on Zoom. This... Hit me on Zoom. <laughs> I'll go to the Zoom parade. <laughs> By the time this is finished, it might, COVID might be uh, have been addressed. Well, let's, we can only hope, right? You talking about the year 2022? <laughs> oh, shit. All right, so let's 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 move on from that. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> Capitals have more released, depression. Uh, Todd Reardon, uh, was it Reardon? Todd Reardon, as the co- from his coaching duties. Uh, now he had two seasons as the coach, and he went eighty nine, forty six, and sixteen. But they had two really abrupt playoff exits. So I'll ask John, and we can go around. Um, do you think it was a warranted release? Um, I think this release was a result of the people who fired Todd. Um, they're trying to um, they're trying to justify not renewing Barry Trotz's contract after he won them the Stanley Cup, especially yeah. since it was Barry Trotz who nearly swept them this year. I think the way that they treated him towards the end of the season before he won the Stanley Cup was unfair. Um, there were several coaches uh, for the Capitals who said that they felt that Barry Trotz was not the main reason why the Capitals were on this run. They, they thought that he was not really worthy of the amount of money he was asking for. Um, but in hindsight, you're looking at this situation. Barry Trotz went to the New York Islanders. The New York Islanders, they were bottom feeders. They were the worst, one of the worst hockey teams in the league. And he took that team. Yep. He drafted super young players. He, he brought in prospects and took them to the playoffs in one year. They got swept that first year, last year, they got swept. But here they are going to the second round, the same team going to the second round. Now, you can't tell me that, okay, we can all say that most teams get a championship hangover. Look at the Nationals right now. Most teams get a championship hangover. It happens. It's really hard to repeat. Penguins have done it. Blackhawks have done it. Lots of teams have done it, but it's very difficult to do. So 
to me, I think I, I think it was warranted by way of them just trying to justify what they did to Barry Trotz because I think they knew they were wrong. I, I, to, to me, I think that they knew that they were wrong by letting him go and they should have kept him. You got to remember, man, Alex Ovechkin is the best player in the National Hockey, National Hockey League. This guy's about to have his fifth head coach of his entire career. And Nicholas Backstrom, um, uh, Dmitry Orlov, a lot of these cats are past 30 right now. They're not going to last very long. You know, Alex Ovechkin is almost done with his 13-year contract. Nicholas Backstrom is, is almost done. When these guys fizzle out, it might be the end of an era. I don't know. Um, so maybe that's what they're thinking. Maybe, maybe McClellan is probably thinking Alex Ovechkin is nearing the end of his career. Nicholas Backstrom is too. This is Braden Holpe's last season. He's played his last game. They're not going to renew his contract, so he's going somewhere else. And they've trained um, uh, Samsonov to come in and be the new goaltender. So maybe this is a time for them to recycle everything. Maybe they're now saying, okay, maybe we shouldn't have got rid of Barry Trotz, but I think now it's time to say we're, we're starting to put things to rest and we're going to start bringing in some new blood. Um, but, you know, it's kind of sad that it had to end. The season had to end the way that it ended. We were expecting a lot more. Um, I truly do believe that if Barry Trotz was on this team, we would have gone to another Stanley Cup. I don't know if we would have won it, but I'm, I'm almost certain we would have gone to another Stanley Cup. But, you know, you know, it's we, interesting we because like, in any other sport or in, even in this, even in hockey, he he technically has a winning record. So you wouldn't get rid of a coach that has more wins, clearly more wins than losses. If he's on but what, just won you a championship. But, yeah, but what would you do if if you're Robert Kraft and you just won the Super Bowl and Bill Belichick all of a sudden goes, I don't know, what, seven and nine? Like and one then, season? And then, well, and then the next year he goes six and ten or eight and eight. Like after two seasons he has losing records. But what that, goes you know, through your mind at that point? I think you gotta well, I think we're in the in the age where they don't they don't let coaches coach themselves out of losing streaks. You you get you get four years, right? And if you don't produce in four years, most times if you you get a four year contract, you don't produce in those two years, you're pretty much gone. Well, unless you're Marvin Lewis. Okay, carry on. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but so, I will say this. If you had go ahead. No. Well, I was gonna say I, I will say this. Todd Reardon did not exemplify uh, any sort of sense of urgency with the way that he coached this team. There was not this whole uh, – the situation that, that I felt was going on in Capitals practices was almost like what people called Club J when Jay Gruden was coach of the, of the Skins. Oh, it was just wow. very – there's no sense of urgency – it was just very lackadaisical. It was almost as if he was just letting Alex Ovechkin do whatever he wanted. It was like Todd Reardon felt like, well, I got Alex and I got Nicholas Backstrom. I don't need to. I don't really need to do much. You know, they were they were one of the most penalized teams in the entire postseason. And I know you can't really do anything about it in the postseason, but why are you taking so many penalties? That's coaching. 
Yeah. You're not that. I mean, that goes all across the board in any sport. When you're fouling too much, why aren't you coaching your players to not foul? Why aren't you coaching your players to not have so many false starts? That goes back to coaching. And it's just this whole mentality of when you look at Barry Trotz, there were numerous video clips of him on the ice taking hits from other players, trying to show players what to do, training young young players. You rarely saw uh, video footage of Todd Reardon do that. He's always sitting either on the sideline or he's on the ice just kind of sitting back, just letting them do their thing. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm not saying Todd Reardon's a bad coach, but I think that a lot of the people in the staff saw his work ethic and they thought it could not match up to what Barry Trotz was doing for them to make it past the first round of the playoffs or even get back into the playoffs that they felt like, okay, we got to let this guy go. So we're talking about like basically like management making a decision based on previous coaching, how they saw previous coaching and how it was effective. And you have another coach you bring in who also, who has a winning, I guess, regular season record, but he doesn't have the, doesn't have the passion that the previous coach had to, I think it really, I think your winning season doesn't matter unless you're doing something in the postseason. And that's what a lot of people criticize Davey Martinez of the Nationals about. Or even Dusty Baker. Dusty Baker was very, very famous for that. He would coach tremendous winning seasons. But when he got to the postseason, he sucked. He could not win postseason games. So I think it's all. It's, it's all imperative on what you do in the postseason because you can be um, – what's his name that coaches the Lakers? You can take – you can oh, – Vogel? Yeah, you can be Mike Vogel and have LeBron help you win the division. But if you get out in the first round, your ass is out of there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, well, yeah, because the expectations are based on the caliber of the team. But the thing is, like, I think that this is just a weird situation because you go back to the Barry Trotz thing. And you got a guy who just won you a uh, Stanley Cup championship. And in all of major sports, when do you see the winning coach, quarterback, any valuable piece of the team not come back the year after they win the championship? So that's already kind of a sketchy, sketchy move Williams. there. To have, you have a guy win it all for you. And <laughs> wait, wait. wait. <laughs> Uh, no, we're talking about Doug Williams, the quarterback, or Doug Williams, the executive. No, 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 no. I'm talking about Doug Williams. We're not entertaining that today. Not. We're not entertaining that today. I am your conscience. Maybe I should hang this up. When do you have the guy, you know, win a championship for you, and you don't come back the next year? I mean, that's almost as bad as winning a World Series and then not resigning your best hitter. I mean, not that that's happened anywhere in DC. Uh, but you know, I mean, I, I agree. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree, man. I just, I, I could not understand. I mean, the guy came to the team four years before. We were a very good team. Yes, we got out in the second round twice in a row, and it was the Pittsburgh Penguins that was our Achilles' heel. But we finally exercised the demon. We took down Goliath. And not only that, we went and we won the, the fucking cup. And he asked you to pay him. And you're like, that's too much? Goodbye? Like, I'm proud of Barry Trotz. I'm, I, and I hope he wins again. I really do. I, I don't like how they handled the situation. So, 
I just that's just another one of those things where we have Washington franchises not mishandling personnel and, and, and personnel and going coaches somewhere or else players and, going somewhere else. Yeah, and, and doing well. Yeah, so it's 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 sad to say, but it's just synonymous with how franchises are kind of run here. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, you know, it's 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 unfortunate, but you know, we wish both coaches the best, and you know, we'll, we only time will tell. I mean with everything happening now with the protests and the boycotting of games, we won't know when it'll actually resume or, you know, when we'll be able to tell. But right now it's just seeming like, you know, the writing's on the wall for Washington franchises across the board. That being said, we'll move on to the mystics and them showing up to the game the other day with the Jacob Blake t-shirts with um, the letters of his name on the front and then the seven bullet holes on the back. Now, the Mystics in the WNBA as a whole have been at the forefront of, you know, social unrest and speaking out against uh, the brutalities that are happening to black people nationally and in this country. So I wanted to get you guys take on, you know, the WNBA and where, where they stand to you guys in terms of how they have been the voice have been a strong voice in terms of like social unrest. And we can start with, let's start with Trey since, you know, he has, I, on a- I feel like the, you know, far as looking at the WNBA, they've been kind of out front, like uh, leading the charge. Like they've been vocal. They've been um, articulate. They've been, you know, just active uh, getting out there. There's different initiatives that they have about getting people registered to vote. I mean, um, some of it is uh, also partnering with the NBA, but like the WNBA has really been like all over this stuff. Um, and I think that has been great. I mean, I think they've just done, I think they have done an excellent job uh, as far as addressing these type of issues. Um, and I like it. Yeah. And you know, it, it's funny because they don't seem to get a lot of credit, you know, unless you rope in the NBA for some reason. And it's like, they've been doing this for a while. It's like, you know, now that the NBA is starting to like, I won't say catch on, but like they're starting to like to speak out and the players just being more vocal and like supporting the WNBA. It's starting to become a thing where the WNBA is, is actually getting noticed for all the things they were doing in, in spite of the fact that they weren't being noticed. Yeah. I mean, that's know. almost what it's like. It's like the WNBA was pulling the NBA into this. Like they kind of were, were, were the first people to jump in. Yeah. Um, JL, any I thoughts? Mean, aside from Colin Kaepernick, but I feel like that's a whole nother story. That's, <laughs> that's there. <laughs> I think, uh, I think they've always been, uh, somewhat overlooked because it's, um, the woman's sport, which is the the worst part, but on the flip side, they have been the most present when it comes to um, speaking out on something or or if it's not political, if it's not social, they they have definitely made it a point to organize, which is a good, which is like the best part about it. like their whole their whole league seems to be one of the most <clears throat> excuse me organized leagues that we have um and i don't know if that's because they're not getting as much uh press or like there's not as much of an invasive 
uh, press corps with the WNBA, but they definitely have been on point with everything that needs to be said or needs to be like put in front before this is a game. We're humans, you know, X, Y, Z. So I definitely give them kudos. John. Yeah, I agree. They are beginning to make their voice heard. And I'm, I'm really proud of the NBA guys who are, who have been doing their best to stick up for the NBA, not just in voicing their opinions, but just as, professional ball players. I mean, when, when the Mystics were on their championship run, you saw John Wall and Bradley Beal and um, uh, Thomas Bryant in the stands supporting them all the way through. Um, I can't speak on any of the other teams because I don't really watch a whole lot of WNBA, but um, they're making their voices heard. And quite honestly, I think it stems from what we've seen from the United States women's uh, soccer team and what they did in the last, uh, the last few years. Um, and women are, are really trying to do their best to uh, make their voices uh, a voice of reason. And it's beginning to work because we're seeing women who are coming out, obviously like with what we talked about with the Washington football team and the Me Too movement, um, women are doing their best to make their voices heard. Uh, and I think it's only a matter of time before the WNBA becomes uh, one of, I, I, I envision the WNBA taking over the MLS, Major League Soccer, as far as popularity is concerned. Because those apparently are the two sports in, in the United States right now that are not as popular. But the WNBA is starting to pick up some steam and the women are not afraid to to say whatever they want. And so I think it's going to speak volumes, uh, you know, for, for the future of whatever these professional athletes, you know, we're, we're obviously seeing a change now. Professional athletes are not just going to shut up and dribble anymore. You know, they're going to speak their mind. And I mean, we're even we're even seeing some things with NASCAR. Who would have thought NASCAR would have a black man's back? <laughs> right, but, right, um, right. So yeah, I'm 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 really happy to see what they're doing, and I can only hope that people will start to pick up on it. Yeah, you know, with all sports starting to take notice and to speak out, their players are using their platforms and to speak and to really be heard, and people are taking notice because. These, these are the players that, you know, you go out and you buy their shoes and you watch their commercials and, like, you watch the games and they have a voice with the youth. And we're, we're listening to them, you know. like So if, like, somebody like LeBron speaks out, it's like if LeBron says something, everybody kind of takes hold. And I think the WNBA as a whole have has constantly been the voice for social unrest and, like, just – the hardship that, it, you know, that people are being driven to by police brutality, you know, and they have, they have been most vocal and standing up against that type of discrimination and you know, using their platforms. I wish they had a bigger platform, you know, and I think I agree, John, I think they, they will, after this, you know, this whole thing transpires, they're going to have a bigger platform and people are really going to take notice to the WNBA because they have been 
the most vocal, you know, and in leading the charge for discrimination or against discrimination rather. So it just, it just like my hats off to them for taking a stand and not being afraid of the consequences of that stand. Um, with that being said, we'll move on to the NBA, the NFL, the MLB and the NHL all protesting, like canceling games this week. Um, the NBA was, they, they want to resume the games, but I know the players were meeting in the, uh, the players and the owners were meeting and they, I know they had a virtual meeting with the owners and Michael Jordan served as the liaison between the players and the owners. And, you Wait, know, so he, the Lakers and the Clippers, they're done like they announced? No, no. I, nobody's done yet. They just don't know when they're going to resume playing. Yeah, they're coming back. Yeah, they, 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 they said today and tomorrow are off for sure. They did have a headline. Yesterday the headlines were just shooting out. I think people were trying to be first to get the story yeah. out. Yep. And while they were discussing whatever they were discussing, somebody did shoot something out and say that the Clippers and the Lakers weren't going to play the rest of the playoffs. Yeah, because I saw that. I was like, came back today and said that the players all decided they will resume. They were going to come back. But I thought, yeah, that was yeah. the, I thought that was the rest of the league because what, what happened? Clippers said what happened was they weren't going to play the rest of the season. They took a vote, and the Lakers and the Clippers were the two teams that said they didn't want to play the rest of the season, but the rest of the team said they wanted to play. So the next day they went back and everybody agreed to play. So that's what happened. So when they had the vote, the Lakers and the Clippers decided had or the two teams that said they didn't want to resume the season. Um, so, but you have all these franchises, all these these uh, teams, basically not playing. And we all saw Kenny Smith walk off the set of uh, yesterday, and he was standing in solidarity with the t- with the NBA. And then uh, I don't know if you guys saw Chris Webber's speech, um, but he was he was basically holding back tears, giving his speech um, on the air yesterday. So I want to ask you guys, and I know this subject is 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 a really really hard one. We all saw what happened um, with uh, Jacob Blake, and you know the aftermath of what happened in that town with the with the young the seventeen year old kid who murdered two people shot a third person and was, was able to like go home and sleep in his bed before, you know, the charges were rung up against him. And he was, he was brought into, you know, the, the prison, well, I guess the police station. I, I just, as a black man, and we all black men, when, when is enough going to be enough where we can, I guess the world will say it's enough because <clears throat> us black people saying it has never been enough. Like us speaking out, you know, they, they let a kid, a 17 year old kid walk down the street after he murdered two people. Like, and without getting all emotional and trying to like, trying to hold all that stuff in, it's like, we, we all have kids who are being raised in this society where our lives aren't valued at the same as somebody that's white. So, you know, how does how do you feel with this subject? Like, how do you feel about, I guess, the players protesting and walking off? And what do you think that will do? Do you think it will it, it will be the beginning of a culture change and like a systematic change? Because that's what needs to happen in order for anything to like really take place. I don't, uh, I don't, I don't, 
I, I don't see I don't see this whole protest with the NBA players and baseball and NHL solving anything. Um, I think even Doc Rivers said that um, that you know not playing games or quote unquote boycotting, which I think we all talked about is not really boycotting, but it's mostly going on strike. But not playing these games is not going to end racism and it's not going to change anything. Um, but, you know, obviously Doc Rivers stands with the players. Kenny Smith stands with the players. A lot of people stand with all the players in their choice to not want to play. What their reasoning is for not playing, I'm, I'm not exactly sure. I think some people were just too emotional to want to play. Some people felt like it, they didn't feel right playing a game after what happened. Um, enough will be enough when there's a war, in my opinion. Enough will be enough when Black people start creating militias and groups of army types and they go after cops for no reason. Or oh, wait, they go for, for after, a reason. It's for a reason. Well, it's for a reason, but there you know, it's 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 like saying it's like saying all cops are bad. You know, I truly don't believe all cops are bad. I think there are a lot of very, very bad cops. But as I will use their description, I will I will use what they often say, they fit the description. Right. So there's going to be a time where uh, the straw is going to break the camel's back and enough will be enough when there is a lot of bloodshed on the other side of it. And the bloodshed will come with no, um, with no regrets. And I feel there will be a lot of black people who will be in support of it. There was a video that came out earlier this year of a white woman who was in a park with her kids, not wearing a mask during quarantine, during the lockdown. And a police officer came up and asked her to put her mask on, take her kids, put her back in the car and go home. And she refused. She says, I have rights, I'm an American. And they arrested her. And all these people around her, they're all white. All these people around her were, were yelling at the cop and they were saying, you know, leave her alone. She wasn't breaking the law and she wasn't doing anything. And all of the comments were from, the majority of the comments were from black people saying, well, if she didn't break the law, she wouldn't be getting arrested. If she did what the police officer told her, she wouldn't be getting arrested. It's like the, the tables, like, it was like, you know, the tables had turned just for a split second, it's like, okay, now, now this is what you're starting to see from our perspective. So when we, when we start creating bloodshed and when there is a race war between whites and blacks or just blacks and people who are not black, that's when enough will be enough. Look at the Israelis and the, Palest and the Palestinians. They've been going at it for decades, for a long time. They're still not at peace at all. There might not be a whole lot of bloodshed, but 
they haven't reached enough is enough and they have been at war with each other for decades. So, you know, I've always said a change is going to come. I don't think it's going to be in a positive light and it's going to get really, really worse before it gets, before it gets better. You know, before we move on to the next person, I, you used the interesting word in that, in your, in your, in, I, I agree with everything you said. I think it's, I think it's going to come down to something really drastic before change actually happens, but you use the word militia and I watched Trevor Noah's, uh, report today that Jay Hill sent us and he he was adamantly upset about them using the word militia in regards to you know these white people showing up to towns they don't live in with guns with the intent to hurt people like he was like that's not a militia that's a gang that's a that's a gang mentality when you show up somewhere with the intent to hurt other people who either don't look like you or don't agree with anything that you have to say yeah. or believe in. And I think the, I think the language is what gives them the excuse. A lot of times it's like, I'm using, I'm, 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 I'm an organized militia. Like, no nigga, you a gang. You, you're a part of <laughs> it's a gang. It's tied to race too. It's tied to race too. Cause if we walked in with guns the same kind of way, we could march in formation, have, you know, the same type of weapons where they, we look like a, a military unit, we're a gang. Remember they did that in Atlanta? We're a gang. Yeah, when, when the cash Stone Mountain, Georgia. Yeah, yeah. 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 We're a gang. They're a militia. You ain't never heard nobody call a group of black dudes a militia. Remember, remember they had such a big they had such a big uh uproar when when the term first started being used. Oh, when Allen Iverson came to the game, he bought his posse. Remember that yeah, was remember such posse a, being a big that was such thing. a big thing. It was like, why well, I gotta have a posse? These are my brothers and my right, but that posse you got, you guys like what? Like yeah. everything right. had the negative. It had it. They spun it to a negative connotation. Sure. So yeah, it's all about verbiage. Well, let's get let's get your individual thoughts. Let's let's go with uh, since Jay, you're already talking. Let's just get your individual thoughts on the whole concept of what it would take to affect change amongst Americans. Cause we're talking about Americans here. We're talking about black Americans, white Americans, um, anybody of color, anybody that has been marginalized because of the color of their skin. What do you think it's gonna take in order for that change to, for the system, uh, systemic racism to change in this, in this world we live in or in America that we live in? Um, it's going to take something that will technically never happen along the lines of dismantling the entire um, structure that is government. Mm. So if you want to like refer back to, you know, all of the, the processes and everything that were built up and put in place back from the 1800s and you know so on and so forth there's always with any society you have a class structure you got kings you got peasants that is never really disputed it's created because you ultimately take on the logic of survival of the fittest mm. so if i'm stronger than you all right take the gold from me 
Oh, you can't take it. Well, it looks like I can take all the gold. So now I will own all things because you can't beat me. So there's always going to be some sort of competition in, in the human mind because we have that. That's kind of what, what sets us apart from animals. But at the same time, we also have logic. And the problem is people don't have empathy or they not don't have it. They don't exercise empathy enough to understand I don't have to technically step on this dude's head to get to the next level, but I will because I can. Now, whether I have to or not is really out of the equation. I will do it because I can. So I think until there is a breakdown and rebuild of everything, it's going to take so much, not to say it's impossible because it's maybe four lifetimes from us before this actually happens. But we're starting to see people, and I feel like we had this conversation kind of already, but we're starting to see people with more power in, or with more influence in more, in higher positions that can affect the change that we need. But as we know, as the NBA has kind of realized, it's not happening overnight. So yeah, we're, we're, we're not trying to play these games because we, we want to focus on what needs to happen, which is change in the system. How do we do that? Well, we're not, they're not taking a Senate floor and, and the house floor and, and, you know, holding referendums instead of playing basketball. It's just about having a conversation that needs to be had, but there's always going to be that we're better than you. So we don't really think that's going to benefit us well enough uh, to where we really need to focus on this right now. So we'll, 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 we'll put it on the docket because that's what always happens. We'll put it on the docket or you get the, the whole bullshit of um, we'll pass this law, but it's got so much stuff attached to it that you don't even pay attention to it. Oh, you know, they actually outlawed um, you being able to vote more than 50 feet away from your house. Like what? What was that in? Oh, that was an energy bill. What? That, that doesn't make sense because that's how they write up stuff. So until we have people that have that moral center and the, the, the empathy, it's not going to change. Now, will a war change that? Possibly. But again, you're talking about like what kind of war? Like a purge? Because that's not really any sort of that's a that is a class like logic that they they drew up. Because for 24 hours, you get to take whatever you want and do whatever you want. But ultimately, you're looking at people in power are always going to have so many road, so, so many roadblocks and uh, barriers between them and what's going to be able to take their money or what's going to be to take their power. Jay, would you say that the current leader of this country has a very strong effect on what happens with law enforcement killing blacks and the future of systemic racism and injustice. Like if he is not elected this November, will Um, that be part, will that be part of the change that will make people start to say, all right, now let's start to implement. I'm going to say no. Only because, let's say he's not elected. What if that puts in the mindset of those 
law enforcement guys that we had somebody that was on our side that's not on our side anymore. I'm gonna go harder now. I mean, you know, like you, 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 can, you can look at it from both sides. So that's why it's not, it's not that position. That's what I'm saying. It's everything has to be dismantled. It's not, it's not just him being, he's not the face of it. He's just a distraction of it right now. Of course, everyone is going to not so much put it on him, but yeah, you can say he, he's inciting. He, he's got embers on his hand from where, yeah, maybe if I say this, you know, that might, that might set somebody off. All right, cool. Maybe if I do this, that might set these people off. So yeah, he has his ways to manipulate, but ultimately you were already there. You just needed someone to like the match. It's always been there. So again, until you get rid of all those people, because the other thing that I always thought was he was only put in power because there were others that thought we can control him. That's why we want him there. I thought he was they put realized, in power because there were people who didn't want a, who didn't want a woman in office. I mean, it's too far. And now, yeah, I'm not saying. And now they're regretting. They're regretting that vote. <laughs> right. That's not incorrect. And a lot of people I mean, didn't show up time, for the polls too. A lot right. of people didn't vote. But at the same time, they thought he knows nothing about this. He will just sit there and be a a pretty a puppet face. for sure. For sure. And then they I agree with his that. personality is a lot worse than I thought. I agree with you that. You are an yep. idiot or an yep. asshole. Wow. He said, oh, he said Donald Trump's going to be a pretty face. I mean, that's, they, thought he was, they thought he was arm candy. Seriously. They, they oh. really thought. <laughs> what? Siri didn't, Siri didn't get that. She was, she was, she was perplexed. Siri, said, well, Siri is black. All right. So, I mean, uh, so you had, you had, you had a, a group of people that were like, sure, we can use him. We just need a placeholder for four years and we'll be good. They did not know he was going to try to undo this, try to, um, you know, um, pit this against this or that, you know, they didn't think he would really understand, which he doesn't, but they didn't think he would know the, uh, or he would learn the tricks that he can use as a commander in chief. Oh, I can't do that. Hold on. Executive order. Now I can. Oh, I can't do that. Bet you I can. Executive order. Like, what are you doing right now? I, I want Burger King every day. Executive order. Like, yo, that's not how this works. It is when I'm when I'm running it, executive order. Shut up. You can't talk now. Executive. So they didn't know like he didn't he would understand the power of his pen. Cause that's what he does. Like he's he's so it's like if we get rid of him, that's not really gonna change much. That's just gonna change. All that's gonna change is the news headlines that we have to deal with. It's still gonna be yeah, in your, part of it is still the gonna be in your local, right. And it's still gonna be in your local sector. It's still going to be in, you know, in your state sector. It's still there. It, that's why it takes it, it, it. That's why I said it may not be our lifetime because it could I be agree. our kids. Yeah. It could be somebody our age. That's it could be seriously. It could be uh, Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris. I mean, it could be her. She could be the, mm-hmm. she could be the one that, that starts that whole, you know, like, this is what needs to happen. Especially her we, with that you know, background. So, you know, there's a, you know, there's a lot of people that are feeling her because she's a former cop. Of course. And they're nope. like, we wanted, we wanted Bernie Sanders and um, uh, Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez. And we ended up getting an old, another old white man and <laughs> a former cop. <laughs> and then, of course, and then, right. then, there's, then, there's the, then there's the belief that he's only in play just so she can take over. Because I've, I've, I, yeah. saw some, I saw some story where they're going to put him um, that not, not, uh, not incompetent, but like he's going to be some sort of 
like uh, in incapacitation where she's going to be in charge. Well, he's he's almost he's almost a he whenever he speaks, he puts his foot in his mouth. He does. So he did choose. I think he did choose the right type of candidate. Yeah. Um, And, you know, what's funny, too, to cut you off, John, but like anytime they pick a vice president, when they pick a president that has a vice president, a lot of times they're expecting that vice president to run after the term of the president, especially if that president has a good term. Like nobody's expecting Mike Pence to run because because of how disastrous that uh, Donald Trump's presidency has been. So you don't expect Mike Mike Pence to run if Donald Trump. You know what I'm saying? Or Dan Quayle. <laughs> or Dan Quayle. But like if 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 Biden gets in there and he has a good term or he has a good two terms, it's like, okay, we'll continue on with Kamala because Kamala's a part sure. of that administration. And that's usually how two. it goes. That's the thing. He wouldn't have two terms. He would only have one because of his age. I well, guarantee. Yeah, sure, sure. But at the same time, it's like that's that's the that's the, the way that, that kind there. of works. Yeah, yeah I mean that's how it yeah. happened with Obama. Yeah, had exactly. Two, two terms with Obama, and they wanted to continue administration, and now we got Biden running. But I mean, to get back to you know what John was saying, I I think it is going to take a cataclysmic event. Now the other issue is we have the world. We've always had it, but we really have the world looking at us now because because of who is in charge of this nation. And he's able to um, draw a headline because that's his thing too. He just wants people to talk about him. Negative, negative press Attention. is good press. Yes. Negative press is good press to me. So I don't know what you guys are talking about. There's no such thing as negative, negative press. That's what I meant to say. So, so like, if I can keep that going, we're good over here. I don't know what you guys are complaining about. They, they want to be here in the U.S. So as far as what it would take, man, it is it's tough. Like, I don't think we're going to be able to see what it's going to take. You know, I, I'll pose this question to Trey because Trey will wrap up this, um, this segment and it's to piggyback on what you said, Jay. Um, when Obama was in office, it wasn't that racial things didn't happen. It wasn't like that racial discrimination didn't happen. Oh no. Remember he wore a tan suit and they lost their mind. Mm-hmm. Right, and <laughs> but it wasn't that he's darker there, than the suit. There wasn't civil unrest when Obama was in office. It was because of the fact that Obama was able to address it head on and basically diffuse it that it didn't become this cataclysmic event. We have a president in office now that There's is no basically empathy. saying, "Take up arms and." Make America great by doing what you need to do. He has by... no empathy. Yeah. No empathy. That's what it is. Yeah, he he no got man. elected off that rhetoric. I mean, he right. gets them, he riles them up. Right. He is inciting a lot of this stuff. I mean, it's indirect. I mean, you can't definitively say Donald Trump said this and then this person did I this. I never said that. But I mean, but if you pay attention to his base and the type of uh, we'll, folks, we'll say it for you that are voting, but he's saying things that's getting, that's motivating these types of behaviors, racist behaviors. I mean, and, and stuff that's, you know, like predatory against black people. So yeah. My question, my question, I guess I'm posing is we all know it's going to take something and we know words clearly aren't enough because words have been said by a president that actually cared about 
the society that we live in and things still happen. Now we have a president who doesn't care and is willing to just ignore like the the Republican National uh, when they had that whole thing that's going on right now, like they don't even address what's happening. They haven't even addressed what's happening the last couple of days. They won't even bring it up because it's not a part of their whole narrative. They don't, because they, nothing is happening. It doesn't impact the people that's voting for them. Right. right. I mean, happening. that is white privilege. Right. It doesn't impact the people that's, that's voting for them. So the, the fact that the Republican National Convention isn't even mentioning it and they're not, they're not even taking, like the president isn't taking a stance against it. Because that's, it? I mean, that's, that, that's, that's his, that's his narrative. His narrative is he is speaking for people who are like in very rich, um, the white privileged uh, folk those are the people who are following and I'm all the token black people who want to be like them. It's like them. And, and then it's like the, the, I won't, I won't call them the PY PWT, but you know, the poor white trash that sure voted, you know, and like, because didn't the poor even know white what they were trash people think that they're above black people. Right. Cause that's always been the spin for, for decades. Because they're white. So even if because they're white. they believe in their white privilege, they really yeah. believe in their white privilege. I agree it's more than that. money. It's more than, than, than anything. They believe in it. This and, whole, um, this whole racist, this whole racist thing does not affect them or they think it won't affect them. Well, and they the other thing is those them. types of people don't live anywhere for the most part, don't live anywhere near most black people. Like right. there's a, there's a geographic segregation. Like they don't live in areas where there are highly high, high, high populations of black people. It's not as integrated. Yeah. They are in areas where they only see other white people. I remember growing uh, up here, so, growing up here in this area, I never saw a homeless white dude until I got to Baltimore. <laughs> and, it, and it blew my mind. It blew my mind. And I was like, wait, they, they have that possibility? Right. Yeah. And, and then that homeless white person probably thought he was better than you anyway. <laughs> <laughs> like as you drove past in your car going home <laughs> yeah man, i'm homeless still i'm hungry but at least i ain't black yeah. right all so right what's trey, your question trey you know <laughs> i mean it's more the same like yeah what's just, your question your, i don't know if i answered it or not just your take on <laughs> the whole thing like we had a president that was empathetic and that cared now we have one that doesn't um where does that leave us as a nation really because it's a nation divided at this point we're divided we've been divided what is it going to take to bring the i nation wish i together? could answer this with a meme or something i usually answer these type of questions with memes on our text train yeah no um, no, no no you have to use your verse you have to use yeah, your voice no, no, no. this 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 leaves this leaves us in the, in the dumps man like um it's going to take some time to clean up this mess that uh that uh mr trump has created um and his rhetoric, again, I always talk about his rhetoric. I mean, you know, you can talk about a president as far as their policies and things they do. And that's political. I mean, Republicans go one way, Democrats go another. And that's a political discussion. And that's not really where I'm going with this. It's not political in nature at all. This is more or less just, you know, like you said, empathy and just a human thing. And this guy doesn't care about anybody but himself. And 
that attitude that he's spitting out and that type of leadership, you got a lot of people that's following after that. You got a lot of people who's looking up to this guy. You got a lot of people that are basing their actions and decisions and how they deal with other people based off of what this dude is doing. And it's, I mean, it's an understatement of the decade to say that it's irresponsible, but it really is. It's irresponsible for somebody to have that type of power in that type of position and, and, and lead people in that direction. It really is. But I mean, if you look at him and his historic background, this guy is not somebody who's like worked his way up anything or ever done anything. He's a, you know, you ever made a, met a spoiled brat, rich kid. I mean, that's what he is. And he grew up, you know, getting his favorite toy all the time. And now when somebody refuses to give him his favorite toy or the equivalent of that, he throws a fit. He go mm-hmm. takes to Twitter and yeah, yeah, and he does that. So, I mean, somebody, a lot of bodies, people going to have to come clean up behind this. And it has created, uh, because, I mean, you know, when you create division, it, it it's twofold because you got, you know, the people that he riled up to do the type of things, but then you got people on our side, you know, by our side, I mean, like black people or any kind of a uh, 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 group that is oppressed by this stuff. I mean, it's there's different types. I mean, it, it, the rhetoric is not good towards women, towards whoever. So, I mean, it's not just black people. It's any any type of group that that they've they've kind of uh, um, you know undermined or whatever. Um, these folks, uh, we folks, are mad now. So when he goes out of office, I'm not just going to be happy all of a sudden. There are yeah. issues now that he leaves yeah. behind that, 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 you know, you, you, it, it, here's an example. It's like when you're driving, right? And you're on the highway or something. And you see the dude that's driving like a fool. That guy never gets in an accident. He never gets in an accident, <laughs> but he causes accidents. And this was this Trump is just swerving around and he going to go on about his business, but he left what, the wake behind him of chaos and things are going to continue, you know? Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I got examples for days. I mean, like, you know, it's like <laughs> the guy that comes in and starts, you know, you come in the classroom and you start joning on somebody's mama, but you say that John said it, and then you walk out the room. Right. <laughs> and they fight for the rest of the day, and you go. <laughs> you know, so he started it. Yeah. <laughs> to be childish he's, he's like started. him. He started it. <laughs> and he's not, And he's not going to finish it because he doesn't care. No. No, it's just really, it's really sad, man. Like when you have an incident, like you have cops who followed this guy to his car and shot him in the back seven times. Like in this video of this, this video evidence of this happening. It doesn't make sense. The president of the United States. Who is he going to hurt? You know what else I was thinking about? Don't they wear vests? Like, aren't they wearing vests? Like cops? Yeah, I mean, I feel like your lead, like you got to be way more, way more um, skilled to kill me because I'm wearing a vest. Like, I mean, you, right. not saying that you can't get a lucky headshot in or anything like that. Well, I mean, let me let first me off, you got to have a in gun, defense though. of police. Their lives first. are on the line. So if the guy oh, had a gun, then I would say to air him out, right? Because you don't want you want they want to go home to their family. Yeah, but but in this particular wait, wait, situation, this is a man, the, both his hands are visible. He's going to get in a car. You, and let you grab him, him from you let him walk to the car. If you thought your life was in danger, you don't let him get to his car. Period. You tackle that dude. It was more than one cop. It was more than one cop. 
It takes, you have, on your person, you have mace, you have a stun gun, you have some, in some cases, cops have batons. Yeah, you can you put can, all this stuff muscle. out before you get to the point where you have to use lethal force. Their intent was to kill that dude, and his back it, was turned to him. And the video looks like, literally, I'm killing you for not listening to me. I'm, right. I'm killing you for disobedience. And then you have a president who hasn't even addressed that. But let me ask this. You, you, were, you, you said that a few times. Um, and I'm definitely not trying to justify anything, but do we did did Obama say anything about the Trayvon Martin killing? Yes. Or yeah, Donald absolutely. Sterling? Yeah. He's what, what was it? What Trayvon was it that could have been his son? Yeah. What what at what point did Obama come forward uh to address the trade? Let's 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 say the Trayvon Martin killing because that was that was murder in the first mm -hmm. degree. I agree with that. Or maybe in the second degree. But at what point did Obama come out and say that? Because he wasn't, I don't think it was at the time where he was, he wasn't being reelected. I think he was already elected. He was um, on his second term. So he was already, he was done. Right? What was, what was his, what was, you know, because a lot of people will say, and I know a lot of black people who did not vote for Obama. And they say they did not vote for Obama because they felt that he was a token black guy who would do nothing for the black community. Yep. And yeah. I, I will say he didn't do a ton for the black community. I'll say I will also admit that he probably did more for the gay community than he did for the black community. But I do think that he did what, what he could uh, for the black community, maybe on a small scale. Yeah. And he's his done job more. Was, think about like this too. More than any past president yeah. has done. For his the job black was community. president of the United States, not president of the black states. So you, I mean, I don't agree with black people who fault him saying he didn't do enough for black people. He wasn't like sent there as our personal representative. That's and so exactly like, that's not and his job. He's, he's representing the nation. Set one and then yeah. two. And the moment he got into office, they tried to the Republicans immediately attacked everything he could do. They 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 they, they went into like he would present something. And it would automatically, just because he presented it, it would get fought. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I think when, if I recall correctly, when the Trayvon Martin situation happened, he was already on the second term. So he couldn't run for a third term. Yeah. So he could speak, he could speak adamantly about whatever he wanted to speak because there's nothing you can do to him at that point. He's already on the second so term. My, you can't my, get him out of my, my, my question is, because Jay spoke on this, is that he doesn't have empathy, which we all agree on. But no one has really said or asked is donald trump racist because when uh we all remember the mass killing that happened in las vegas at the country outdoor country music festival when nearly hundreds of majority of them were white people if not all of them were white people were shot and murdered by a guy in the hotel room on like the hundredth floor who was just shooting down at people. And I think Trump happened to, to say something about that. And he happened to say something about all the lives that were lost, but he didn't say anything about um, George Floyd. He didn't say, uh, no, he did. I don't he think did. He, he said yeah, George Floyd would be smiling down on him. 
No, no, no. He said George Floyd was smiling down on us because we signed this bill, because we signed this jobs bill. Remember, he was like, George Floyd is he's happy today in heaven. And that's everybody was like, really? That's how you're going to use his name? But that's, yeah, that's, that's I mean. politically. Like, that's political, that, that's man. to promote that's not, that, yeah. to promote his. <laughs> he, he's, he's promoting. He's trying to promote. He's trying to promote himself. He's trying to make himself look good. And look, a lot of us will agree that he doesn't have empathy and he's extremely arrogant and only cares about his own self worth. But some people will say that he's racist. But is this his lack of not acknowledging what happened to Jacob Blake? Is that not racist? It's, is the fact that he didn't tell the Republican National Convention speakers to not say anything about it, is that not racist? So, so, so I love this topic that you brought up, this question about Donald Trump being racist. Because I started off saying to, my, you know, to myself or others, the people I talked to, that Donald Trump was not racist or did not, well, maybe not saying he wasn't racist, but saying that he has not done anything outwardly that I would prove he's he was racist. Not overt. But, but I, but I said um, one thing that I did say that he definitely likes to profit off of racism. He benefits personally off of racism. He uses I, I, I racism think he, I, I think to he, benefit he, himself. He, he likes to profit off of a lot of things because the, one of the reasons I bring this up, Trey, is because we all remember what happened on um, right before Juneteenth. On the day of Juneteenth, we all know what Juneteenth is. It's it's the Black People's Independence Day. And that was when uh, Donald Trump wanted to schedule his first Republican National Convention in Oklahoma City, in the city where there was the biggest uh, Black mass massacre that this country has ever, ever uh, witnessed. And... Some people said it was extremely racist of him, but there were other people who were saying, I don't see it as racism. I see it as him drawing more attention to himself on the back of racism, which is what you said. Does yeah, that yeah, yeah. make him racist? So, so yeah, I didn't finish it. What I was going to say though, is that the thing that I've been wrestling with is that if he continuously, continuously uses the rhetoric, and all of the uh, hate from people who are in his base, the the rural uh, whites and the Confederate flag toting, those type of people, he uses that to get himself more votes and more popularity because he knows that the Republican Party, those people are staunch Republicans. So that will, you know, invigorate his base or what, you know, whatever they say. He, by doing that though, at <laughs> I have to ask myself the same question that I think you're about to ask is that, does that make you racist? If you, you know, are, 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 are like intentionally profiting off of racism. Like, yeah. Like what's does. worse? Is it worse being racist or is it worse profiting off of racism? Yeah. It's both. I want to get all the racists <laughs> excited about me because I know I can profit personally. Now, it's complicated. It's a complicated subject with Trump because Trump is a a textbook narcissist. So mm -hmm. the subject matter now starts to fade to the background because his objective is to get as many people and as much support for himself as possible. It's always about who likes him. So that's why 
I, I kind of lean away from racism and give him another schism. It doesn't make him a better person. It's just a different schism, which so is what I, I feel agree. like it's I mean, narcissism. I, 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 I do agree with that. I do agree with that. I, I do think that when you look at what textbook racism is, the first thing that comes to mind is the KKK. And the KKK, as we most of us know what the KKK started off as, it was a group that was nonviolent, but it became violent. But their rhetoric since day one has been that they hate black people, they hate Jews, and they hate people who are not of the white descendant. They're, anyone who is not a descendant of, of Caucasian, they hate. And they don't want to be around them. They don't want to conversate with them. Like to me, that is what my definition of what a racist is. And I don't, I, I'm, de trust me, I am definitely not giving him a pass. But my question about this is how much of this is the media at fault for? for pinning Donald Trump as what we would all say is well, a clear racist. Because here's when, the thing, with, with racist, the, the, especially now, like, like we were talking about last week, with racist, the thing is, if you're not, if you're not against it, then you're for it. There is no neutral but, ground. You can't but be the thing is. But the thing I'm saying with Trump, though, is that it's more complicated because this guy will literally use. So let me give an example. Dave Chappelle had a joke um, that he said he endorses Coke and Pepsi. It's just whoever paid him last. Like, I honestly could see Donald Trump endorsing the KKK one day and the Black Panthers the next. It's just nope, whoever supports I Trump. I can't. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna agree with Jay here. I don't that's see him saying. ever endorsing a that's group like saying. the Black Panther that's Party. Why are, that's why there were very nice people in Charlotte as well when everything happened. You know, there were people on there were good people on both sides. Keep that in mind. There were people on both sides in Charlotte when that when everything happened. Bullshit. You're not against it. You don't want to take a hard enough stand against it, and you're not trying to look for it. You Trust can't me, be neutral. I, I understand what you mean, but what I'm, I guess my point is this guy's particular thing is more so about himself than it is about race. So he's it's more of a, more he's more of a narcissist than a racist, is what you're saying? He's more yes, of a narcissist. that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But like, but listen to what you're saying. Listen to what you're saying. puts on a MAGA hat, he's in the White House. Bro. No, 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 but listen to what you're saying. You're saying he's more of. That doesn't mean he's not. He's just more of a narcissist. I don't know, but I, well, no, I, I, I don't you know even what? know. I don't, I don't, he's such I don't a narcissist. Believe, I don't know what else he is or isn't. I don't, I don't believe that, that that you're less of a racist and you're more of a racist. You either are or you aren't. And he is. I mean, so you he's either you either don't like black people or you can tolerate black people. Like right. a racist is somebody that cannot absolutely tolerate like they don't want to be around not true. them if a, not true. If a black person says I mean, donald trump is the king and he's the greatest ever he is now donald trump's best friend so I, I, yeah the I narcissist if we is made also this a racist. donald trump podcast and we dedicated to how wonderful donald trump is we would be his best friends i he, can say all he cares about is himself that, i can right. say not can, racist though but, but no, no, he's a, he's a narcissist. Beyond racism, he doesn't care about a race. Don't so he's race, he wait, wait, be in favor of what, what, what happens? What happens? Trey, you're basically saying that he's OJ. 
<laughs> I'm not black. I'm not the only race he cares okay. about is the Trump race. He don't even care about white, black, nothing. He only cares about Trump. But the question remains, we all agree that he's a narcissist, but do we all agree that he's also a racist? I believe I, that he uses racism because that party he, he's in does support it. Okay. I, I see the, His personal this views? Is, this is where I'm torn because... Again, my definition of, of someone who is racist is someone who does not like black people, period. I don't believe that there is a level of racism where you can look at someone of a different color and shake their hand and have a conversation with them, but still say, I don't like black people. I think- Of course there is. I, 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 there's ra- I, there's racist people that smile on our faces though bro. of course there is. that's what i'm saying of course but, there is. but what i'm saying is you're not affecting my th- pockets but that doesn't make i don't think that that i don't think that necessarily makes them a textbook racist to me a textbook racist is someone who wears that hood well, someone who does not well, no, he can't, because he can't because do that. but but look if i say something if, if i make a racist comment about an asian person does that make me a racist? If I um, if if I look at an Asian person and um, it makes you a racist I, against Asians, yeah. If I say something racist, yeah. But what if like, I'm married to an Asian woman? Yo, you could be married. There's plenty. There's bl- oh, I won't say plenty. That's I don't not, think that there's I, there's white men that are married to black women that are still racist. They believe racist. that they're less than them. Yeah. Well, I mean. And I then, love you, but you're still less than me. But then it goes back to I got a good one. I think I think that's prejudice. <laughs> that's really it. I, I don't yeah, think that's one, racism. I think that's I Kanye don't think is one of the good ones. That's why I like I, Kanye. He's one of the good think, black people. I don't think that's racism. I think that's prejudice. I think that's being prejudiced. I think that's when you are prejudging somebody for that the way that they are or how they look. And again, I'm definitely not giving Donald Trump a pass because. And I'm not either. When, I, when I'm when I'm thinking about all this, I really do think that he's a racist. But the fact that he surrounds himself with certain black people—I mean, there, I just saw a clip of him uh, at the RNC, and he's got a black guy standing right next to him. <laughs> the fact that he had Howie Kendrick at the at the at the he's White House, the fact this. that Kanye he's West was literally sitting that. in his lap. There are people that are doing that. We need a black face behind him. Uh, you go stand there. That's not him. But That's he's not. But he's not kicking black people out of the out of the convention. Look at my African American over here. He's not kicking him out. Why? Yeah, like, who, because who? he's not saying he's not talking shit about him, and he's all in support of him. Again, yeah, right. it's 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 about what Trey said. If if there is the blackest the blackity blackest man on earth at an RNC wearing a Trump uh, wearing a Trump scarf and a Trump T shirt. And he wants to give his life savings to the Trump campaign so that they can reelect him. He's not going to say no. He's not going to not accept black money, money that he probably earned. That's because money's where, green. At, at the end of the day. Money green. is green. It's like it's like it's like what Michael Jordan said: Republicans wear sneakers too. Man, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That doesn't, about Nike. doesn't make Michael Jordan racist, or that doesn't make, think, that doesn't yeah, mean that Michael Jordan that, is a Republican. <laughs> You know I think that what Donald Trump is transcends racism. And I think that racism is an instrument that he uses, that he knows that he has racist followers. So he does things to make them happy. But I think 
I honestly, what I think that he is is worse than a racist. Um, so that's what I, mean, I that's I, that's what my question was. Is what I think what he is is actually worse than a racist. That's what I that's what I was trying to get to. He doesn't I care who you are. He's doing. You're not on his. You know, on the the thing that's going to make him what he wants. Is He'll throw worse than being a racist to me. Profiting off of racism is worse. I would rather a motherfucker come to my face and tell me I don't fucking like you because you a nigga than for somebody to smile in my face and try to take money out of my pockets to benefit him when they know they don't like me. I would much rather somebody be, and that's why a lot of black people like Trump because he speaks his mind no matter what, no matter what it is. He speaks his mind. And that's what I don't understand. It's this lack of empathy. It's the fact that he is, uh, I just heard this, um, this Muslim comedian, this girl named um, Gina Hamesh. She's like, um, you know, Republicans, uh, or Republicans like Republicans and liberals, conservatives and liberals, the difference is with conservatives, they like a con man, someone who's just very serious and knows that they're going to con you. But with liberals, they like a con artist. It's like, oh, I know I'm going to fuck you, but let's put a dress on it. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So to, to Trey's point, there is this method that he goes through, especially now in trying to get re- reelected, and this whole thing with Jacob Blake of him profiting off of racism. And it's just mind-boggling to me how people are just falling for it. So uh, here's the question. Do you think that, um, and this would be the last piece before we go to break, um, we all have our, our opinions. I, I think that's a strong statement you guys made that he's worse than a racist. Um, but as the president, <laughs> and I keep coming back to him being the president, what does that mean for our society when you elect somebody who is worse than your average narcissist and he's worse than your average racist? We, I think uh, if I, you I'm, look at our situation we're in right now in this country, that explains everything. I, I, I'm going to say that I, I knew that it was going to get worse before it got better. I just didn't think it would ever get to this level. Like <laughs> right. I knew how bad of a person <laughs> Trump was. I, at that time, I thought that he was extremely racist um, and sexist and, had, and lacked empathy. Um, and I knew that it was going to get worse before it got better. But I think this is now why a lot of people like AOC and Bernie Sanders and everyone who has a voice, they need to keep in, in just pounding into our brains to vote. And I know Biden is not the best Democratic choice. But I'm going to wholeheartedly agree that a vote for Biden is a vote not for Trump. Yeah. It's yeah. like, get Trump out of there, and then we'll sort the rest out. We there. have to. The, the main thing, I, I know that he's probably not going to be the best president. I know he's probably going to be like a lot of white, white uh, government officials and stuff. But no one is like Trump. Like, that motherfucker cannot 
Bruh. Be president I mean, like, again. Yeah. After, after, if we could just get this dude out of here, I'm not even worried about party, right? The next Republican president will most likely be somebody with some kind of sense. I mean, get us somebody like George Bush, like anybody, like whether whether he's your candidate of choice or not, we just need somebody decent. Did you ever think back, like, in, if this was 2004, would you ever say to yourself that George Bush would be a much better president than the guy we got <laughs> <Wow>. right now? <laughs> Bro, I would love to have George Bush. Look, I would a love lot to of have people George would. Bush. A lot of people would. He, because so, you know what, anyway. he was always a decent human being. Oh, you mean empathy? Yeah. He was always he was smart too. He was one of the smart. They said that he was one of the smartest presidents that the country's ever had, and he was a very decent human being, despite him being just whatever your politics dumb. are. Whatever your politics are, the person in charge should be qualified, capable, and have decent character, right? If that's the case, it's like, okay, maybe it wasn't my guy. Maybe he's not the guy on the issues. You know, you can argue that stuff all day. But I think that everybody, this is the problem that I have with Trump. I think that everybody, no matter what your party, whatever your politics are, should agree that you want a person to be a decent human being with good character and qualified and capable. This guy is not stable mentally. He's not qualified. He ain't never done nothing like this before. And his character is trash. But who are you to say that he's not stable or he's not, you know, he's not, he's is a decent human being. He knows, you are the person that is watching this dude react to everything on Twitter. <laughs> who is every... Like a, like a toddler throwing a tantrum. I can't right. believe they said this about me. He's so do, focused just he's watch, so focused on getting rid of TikTok than he is about his campaign right now. If you watch, if you go back and just read a week of his tweets, you know this guy isn't qualified to be running the free nation. <laughs> his not... mother even said that. You said his mom said that? Even his mom said that. His mom said if he ever becomes president, it'll be the worst thing the United States will ever ever endure. Well, look where we are now. His mother's a prophet. Yeah. His mom was on The Simpsons? Everybody's <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll we'll bring a guest on. Um, a good friend of ours, Miss Amber Mims, is going to join the conversation, and we're going to ask her some questions about this this highly uh, this subject that just kind of like grinds our <laughs> yeah. ears. I couldn't even think of the words to put together. We just, need we need we need emojis. Yeah, yeah. This is sports and things. We'll be back. What's up, everybody? This is Dennis Turner. Just want to let you guys know where you can find us online. Instagram and Facebook is at Sports and Things. It's at S-P-O-R-T-Z underscore A-N-D underscore T-H-I-N-G-Z. And on Twitter, it's at Is Sports. It's at I-Z-S-P-O-R-T-Z. For the latest updates on the Sports and Things team. Now back to today's episode. Welcome back, everybody, to Sports and Things. Uh... We have a special guest with us today. Um, kind of impromptu, we asked her at the last minute to come on the show, but I thought it was important to have uh, a, a female's perspective <laughs> on the subjects that we have been talking about for the past hour. Um, please welcome our dear friend, artist, curator, Amber Mims. Hey. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hi, thank you. 
What's up, Amber? Hello, 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 hello. So we, we're just going to jump right into it because we just had a, a really heated discussion um, that ended with Trump being both a narcissist and a racist, uh, <laughs> or being one point further than a narcissist and a racist. Uh, and I want to mm-hmm. ask, I'll start with asking you as a black woman, how do you feel about all the social or the racial injustices that are happening to our people in America? And it's a two part question. So that's the first part. And then what do you think it'll take to finally make a change for the good for our people and people as a whole that live in this country? Oh shit. That's actually a three part question. Um, okay. So racial injustices, how do I feel about that as a black woman in this country? Um, obviously terrible. Um, unfortunately numb, very numb to it. Um, so much so that I've almost like in some ways even normalized my reaction to it. Um, it's, it's a lot to take in, especially like on a, on a normal basis when you are encountering different things daily. So you kind of like, it's, it's almost so like prevalent now and so in your face now that it makes you, um, it definitely makes you hypersensitive, more aware, but it also just kind of makes you identify different situations differently. Um, I will also say, um, I don't know, the sensitivity is very different now. It's just, It's almost hard to put in the words. It's really hard to put in the words because you, I mean, obviously, well, not obviously, but myself specifically, my whole family is black. My brother's black. My sisters are black. My brothers are black, I should say. So you, I'm constantly just like thinking about them more than I probably would. Like, even when my brothers visit, I'm just like, oh, you know, when they would just go and do normal things, even like my nephews, I I instinctively think of them more even so than I think of myself. And then I think of myself in more situations that I had in before. Like for example, while I was driving and I was coming from a studio session in Virginia and um, I was leaving and the engineer told me, he was like, yo, your tail light is out, your right tail light is out, be careful going home. But mind you, this is like somebody I've known for years, like, Ability like a homie, but he's white. So when he told me, I immediately just was like, kind of on guard on some like, I appreciate him telling me because I feel like he's looking out for me, but it's not something I was even really um, as hypersensitive about before. Um, I know that's kind of a long-winded answer, but. Oh, no, um, no, no, it's, it's, it's important to, to, for you to, speak in depth because this subject is something that we've been talking about for the past hour really i mean it's it's a sports and it's a sports podcast but we have been taking the end things aspect of it to heart today because of all the things that have been happening in the past week um mm-hmm. so having because there's no sports it, yeah <laughs> having having your take on it is is very important you know i think and i think people need to hear a different perspective because like i said we're four black men and we all have a similar take on a lot of the things that are happening to us as black people, but to have your take on it as a black woman, I think is super crucial um, for people to hear that. I have a question. Um, Yeah, sure. Are you feeling um, 
more emotional or or upset um, at the cops who are doing these things to black people or are you more upset at the people who fail to want to understand why we're mad because i i find that I'm more upset at the people who fail to want to understand, people who are making excuses for the cops, people who are saying, well, if he had only followed or listened to the cops, he wouldn't have been mm-hmm. shot. Um, what is your take on on that? Is there one thing that you're more upset at or one type of person that you're more upset, upset at? Um, I get what you're saying, but I also don't encounter as many people maybe that have that point of view. Um, and if they do, maybe they don't express it. Um, but I would say I'm definitely very angry at police for sure. Um, definitely angry at people who don't get it. Cause it's like, how can you not, it's like super blatant. Um, but for me, it's also one of those things where it's like, well, I don't know how to save that person. So I don't put that much energy into them. Um, And that just could be me, like my, my personality type, but I'm definitely just more upset at just like the definitely people who don't get it because it's also, it's a part of the privilege. Like you, you just don't, it's not a part of your everyday. So you couldn't fathom it. Um, so it's frustrating, but it's also like a learned thing. Like you also don't want to, like if so many people are saying something and you don't even want to like take the opportunities to, you know, see if there's anything to this, if it's so consistent and blatant and so repetitive, um, then that's just, you're choosing to be ignorant. So I don't really know. Right. Right. Yeah. Because I know that in, in, in social media, it's it's even it's very difficult, especially on social media. Because oh, it's terrible. It's trash. We get we get attacked by a lot of trolls. We get attacked by people who hide behind their phones and their computers and say what they feel mm-hmm. um, without any sort of remorse or regrets. And all they want to do is ruffle our feathers. And I've often found that with me. I get very, very upset whenever I hear that a cop has shot another unarmed black man or black woman, but it pisses me off even more when I have even constituents or people that I know who mm. fail to want to understand and I don't know how to deal with it. So I mm. try to either turn a blind eye to it by turning off social media. Or just not f- address it. Or just mm-hmm. not addressing it. So, you know, as someone who you know, obviously the black woman right now is a topic of discussion because of what's happened with Meg Thee Stallion. Um, but for, oh, for someone as, for someone as yourself. Sorry. Hey, great, <laughs> great negatory. Fuck Tory Lanez. Fuck Tory Lanez. Well, there it is. Fuck there it Tory is. Lanez. I'm sorry. There it is. I'm sorry. I think, I think sorry. we just got the name of our, of our, our episode. <laughs> there you go. Please <laughs> don't, Dennis, don't chop this up and do no wild shit. No, no. No, we just yeah, need no, a name for it. I think we just Lanes. got it. That was a good segue. Fuck Tory Lanez. Ryan for Meg. I ride for Meg. Fuck Tory Lanez. 
<laughs> He's like, oh, I don't want to see. That's gonna make me really upset. Uh, what was your question no, again? I'm sorry. What were we speak, talking speak about? Well, no, you oh, answered it. I was just no, kind of like piggybacking. Oh no, there's so <laughs> many layers to that. I literally was just having a conversation, like a few, well, not that long ago tonight. Um, how the shit with Meg and Tori is is so fucked up. But immediately when I heard it, heard about it and heard it happen, one of the first things I thought to myself was, damn, and this is the first time that people are hearing about this type of domestic violence. Like, it's part of my French. This motherfucker that's doing this shit on a regular. Yeah. yeah. People are it's, getting it's shot. Control. Yeah, it's, it's just cold. like some wild, like, Niggas is crazy. It's entitlement. It's, I mean, this is definitely a sense of it's entitlement. possessiveness. It's yeah. it's it is insecurity. It is just ignorance. It's trauma. It's it's so many things that you know. Even people are just pointing the finger at, like, because I mean, no shade. I'm sure there was red flags. This ain't the first time they didn't got into some shit for a nigga to sure. shoot you. Sure. Yeah. But I mean, not to not but to. But he should have never. Yeah, no, but I mean, that's never. His, that's his, Absolutely that's his, not. He, he could have been a hothead, but you know, we yeah. definitely don't condone that. So you just need to you need to readjust your anger management, sir. Yeah, completely. There's no reason why that should have even ever gone that far. Yeah. I'm always I'm always kind of weirded out by people who are famous that have access like this click cut access to weapons yeah like, you have a security detail if you're that famous you you have a security detail i'm pretty sure megan has a security detail she's she's too big a star to not have a security yeah detail. but there's a trust level that happens right. with that space that she doesn't feel like she needs her security detail but why does he need a gun why does he feel like he needs a gun to end up possessing in his you in know his how car? short he is yeah I mean, <laughs> insecurity though. He feels like he needs Jesus. a gun because he's insecure yeah. too. Sure. sure. So it's like you, you kind of. How to... tall is he? Is he like four something? Five foot? I don't know how tall he's he is. Like five, five, he's like five, 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 six or something like that. So he's the average height of most R and B singers. That's the average height of most R and B singers. The dudes, they're not tall guys. Yes, this is true. You know, so, but I mean, the, the point I'm making is like, why does he feel the need as a, I guess a star in a, in a, or an artist to, to have to carry a gun and to use it at that point? Yeah, you know? like, what, right. What, what, what happens, are you threatened by? I mean, and Megan is a, I, from what I gather, she's, she's a, she's a very proud woman. Like she's, mm-hmm. she's not ashamed of anything that she has going on. She's tall. I heard she's like five foot 10, you know, mm-hmm. but what I don't think there's anything that she could do to him that would put her in a put him in a, a thought process that he feels like his life is threatened that he would have to use a gun on to her shoot you so because you know. it wasn't it wasn't that I I don't know I shouldn't say that but somebody <laughs> gonna shoot you in your in your feet that's like get over here stop what you're doing that's the that's don't the, go that's, nowhere that's the Yosemite Sam that's the short yeah. man yeah. 
That's on Napoleon. That's like in fucking Harlem Nights. Right. Eddie exactly. Murphy was short <laughs> as exactly shit. That's exactly what it is. You you, are, that's you my picky toe. <laughs> what? That's funny. Yeah. It's not funny that he shot her. It's funny that no, it, it's we, not, we have it's a movie not, reference that right. we can, we yeah, can reference a I'm movie. Not, I'm not trying to be crass. They said Tory Lanez is five foot three. That's impossible. <laughs> I saw no. I saw five, five six. Five foot three? No. No, he's not five three. I saw five six. My wife is five three. He ain't that short. Um, I don't uh, know, man. I'm telling nah, you. No, they're saying he's five six. I'm looking at it right now. On Wikipedia, know. it doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't Sorry. matter. That's true. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It really does not matter. No. Because you could be, be 6'5 with a gun. Still. <laughs> I mean, nobody should be shooting anybody. That's very but furthermore, true. like, yeah. it's just unacceptable. And it's a mixed bag of what the both of them are experiencing. Like, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know Megan personally, but, um, you know, just the things that I've happened upon, I'd say. She has a lot, she has had a lot of things happen to her. So, you know, sure. it's, sure. it's just, it's a lot. It's a lot. So, okay. Uh, since we had this whole conversation about height, we'll move on to something else. I'll let another guy ask a question. I'm looking at the official police report. They have uh, Daystar Peterson listed at 120 pounds and Who's five that? foot three. That is, that is Tory Lane's real name. Daystar? Yes. D-A-Y? D a y s t a r Peterson. Why well, could have just gone by Daystar? Why? Yeah, his name is a stage Lanes? name. He was born with a stage <laughs> name. Uh. Yeah, he's listed at 120 pounds and five foot three. 100 per pounds. The police report. That's me. That's me. Uh-huh. You can't be 125. Me. If you told that's me why he had a gun. 120 pounds, I'd be like, oh, she kind of fun. That's why he had a gun. <laughs> <laughs> What kind of man is 120 pounds? Wow. A man named Daystar. <laughs> Are you sure that's him, though? Is that? I'm sure real? his name is. Yes, I'm sure this is the police official police report. 120 pounds, five foot three, named Daystar. Are you sure he don't work at Magic? You City? sure? That's how I was about to say. This is sounding real. This nigga sounds like a Silverhawk. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Uh-uh. 120 pounds. I'm just looking at the police report that came out. Like I, this, it's the official police report. I don't even know what else to tell you. Daystar, unacceptable. Nah. All right. Okay. So that's why he had to shoot Megan nah. the Stallion about twice his size. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. Because she probably she looks like she weighs about 170 and she's five foot ten. He fe- hey to segue into our back into our last conversation. He feared for his life. Yo, that's so what? inappropriate. Who feared for their life? <laughs> Daystar feared for his life. Apparently. Daystar. He said he said he's 5'3". Uh, he, he hasn't minute, said anything. I don't know. We don't know what Did his he position say that? is. I don't, we no, don't he didn't say that. That's just, that's just, uh, that's Trey being Trey. <laughs> I was about to say, what the fuck? <laughs> he feared for his life. Mm. That you couldn't call your security if you was that fearful? You, you couldn't reach the phone. yourself? Like you what, reach for the gun. what is he the proper got a set of security? That's the other part that I'm confused right, about. Where, is the where was these security niggas at? Right. So well, y'all see this whole little man pulling a gun out. <laughs> oh, little man. Wow. 
I'm confused. Uh, you know, it's it was just too. It's too many. It's too many lines. That's it's too much habitual line stepping going on. We don't know enough I'm about just the story. Say it. No, we do know enough. A nigga shot Meg. I mean, we know that a much. Man <laughs> short shot a woman. <laughs> Little man. That's just that's like okay. So to circle back, when you ask me how I feel about racial injustice as a woman, like no shade. If we we can do racial, but racial also breaks down to gender. We sitting here arguing about oh, or not arguing, but just to even have a thought to say we don't know the full story. I guess the same could be said about any nigga that's been shot in the street. We don't know the full story. Well, we that's don't have video. Right. We don't have video footage of the Meg, uh, the Meg and Tory Lane's situation. I think that's the only difference. Okay. You got her getting out but, of the car, right? walking across But you the could explain that to any guy that we don't have the footage of too. I'm just saying that there's like I I absolutely agree with everything that y'all are saying. But there's, for me, as a Black woman in this country, there is another layer added onto that. Sure. Just to circle it, bring it all the way back. And I've definitely heard, yeah, I've definitely heard that narrative from from several uh, other Black women I've had this conversation with, is that there is there is a gender gender problem. That's why the Black woman has been a topic, not just not just this week, but throughout this whole pandemic. Like, a yeah. lot of things have come out. Um, you know, and that that led me to my next question, which is kind of off topic. But what have you been doing um, since March, oh. since, you know, all these lockdowns have been happening? What have you been up to? Um, I've been staying busy, staying creative, doing fun things, great things. Yeah, we taught a class together. <laughs> yes. Oh, nice. Dennis and I taught a really fun music class together. Yes, sir. I oh, can't yes, say in the midst of all of this, although there's been all this like turmoil and things like bubbling up, because I won't say that it's just happening. That's not the case. Um, but for, no, because it's my season, I have been really feeling blessed lately um i've just been able to kind of stay um or like i would say doing stuff that i really would like to be doing so um dennis and i've been teaching a really fun class a really fun music class um i've been doing a really fun project that just wrapped shit this saturday it will be um i worked for a program called Art Lab at the Hirschhorn Museum. And we just really, we just did this really dope program called Respect Her Crank that was completely virtual. Um, it was all around women in go-go. So mm. we've had like panel discussions. We've had um, some performances, internship, portion different um cohorts of young people and all of the it was uh, feminine centers so majority of the participants were were young um young teens 16th and 19 um some were creating sorry it's, it's a little late um we had a, <laughs> a music group a film cohort and a 3d design cohort and they all have been creating like films 
Um, the music group did their own EP of Go Go Music, and then the 3D design created like 3D spaces. So it's all um, it's all virtual, and you can visit it this weekend. Wow. It's really fucking cool. I sat through the meeting this morning, and it was pretty fucking lit. One of the kids made a digital carryout. Oh wow! Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Ooh. It's like. It's dope. The mumbo sauce. Link. Yeah, the whole nine. They have like videos of um, of Essence playing in there, like show videos. It's really dope. I was really impressed. I was really impressed. So, speaking, speaking of Go Go, speaking of Go Go, uh, this has been the week for Go Go. Um, uh, Scott Van Pelt from ESPN. Uh, he started. Oh his yeah, new... play back, y'all. Yeah, he started oh, his new. Th- thing where he's broadcasting from dc and backyard band is playing the theme song so dc's oh you know. what? no it's not backyard it's trouble funk oh it's trouble funk thank it's you trouble yeah, funk thank yeah you. yeah it's trouble oh, funk i didn't know right. about that it yeah was yeah else that so I every saw. i think it starts at 11 o'clock every night so every time scott van pelt's on the theme song is played by wait scott it's pretty dope. Who? what's his name scott, scott van, van pelt he went to the university of maryland and he's, he's from the area also. He's born. But what what yeah. is it? Is it sports that you're talking about? Yeah, yeah it's on. Yes, yeah, it's, it's sports center. Um, but he has he has science. his own he has his own show called I think it's just called SVP, which is yep. which are his initials. Yeah, where oh, okay. he recaps the entire day's sports headlines and uh, stuff like that. Okay. So it's, it's like kind of like prime time for basically. Yeah, but it's like it's like prime time for sports when all yeah. sports are done. He basically okay. challenged. He he knew. He knew about GoGo and he challenged somebody. Basically, I want to see if y'all can make me a uh, Go Go song. song. And they basically they recreated what was already the Sports Center theme, but with no samples. It's all actually trouble funk. What? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's dope. Yeah. Are it's you dope. serious? Yeah. It's dope. Yeah, we'll send you the link. It's on I was YouTube about to say, that. I want to check that out. Yeah. Speaking so, of sure. where can people check out your um your art lab uh, project. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you can go to thehershorn.com. Um, and then if you go to events, everything will be there. Um, it's called Respect Her Crank. So even if you go to hershorn.com, um, and it's probably slash Respect Her Crank, or you could just press and search Respect Her Crank. Um, you could go to at Art Lab Plus on Instagram, and there's all the links in there. Um, I'm sure there's a link in my bio for one of my events. Oh, my event, go, go, unplug. Oh, <laughs> wait. Okay, so sorry. Let me run that back. Um, I did a public program called Go, Go, Unplug that's a part of um, the Respect to Crank uh, events. Um, so we had a couple of different partners um, that did different I would public programs. Um, one of them, I don't know if you guys are familiar with a group called Makers Lab. They're really dope. Um, they did a like a virtual festival for um, Pride Weekend. Um, oh, word. Who else? Uh, Gorilla. There's a group called Gorilla. They do like they were doing like parties, events, and stuff like that. Um, but then they started doing like more panels. Um, so we had them partner with us. Um, we also had this STEM, um, STEM organization called Genesis. They're out of California. Um, it's a, a wow. bunch of different 
partners. Oh, Nubian Human. I don't know if you guys know about that store. Anacostia. Um, I shot the series for Go Go Unplugged there. Um, yeah. I'm sorry I'm rambling, but it's it's really dope. You guys should check check it out. Go to even just my Instagram. There's stuff there. Um, yeah. And also, like, could you name some of the artists that you that were that you highlighted in the in your Google oh yes, project? I'm sorry. You know, if you'd have caught me at this time in the PM, I would probably be much better at this process. <laughs> um, so. We had a whole slew of go-go artists. Um, I would say even just like people in the just advocacy field of of, of go-go too. Um, Shantae was a part of it. Um, amazing Moore. songwriter Shantae mm-hmm. Moore. Um, Yendi Brown from Mumbo Sauce. Um, mm-hmm. Michelle Blackwell. Uh, Casey from Black Alley. Mm-hmm. Um, who else? Sweet Cherie, Lil Boogie, Belladonna, uh, Twink from Mumbo Sauce. Shout out Twink. Shout out to Twink. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen Twink um, in ages, man. Me neither. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. Right? Me either. She just, I think she just moved back to the, to the area. Um, okay. But I literally like was posting some shit for, sorry, I'm posting, sorry. Oh, yeah. um, posting fine. something <laughs> and and I was tagging Yindi in it because we had a series together. And I was like, yo, look at, and I was like, that's Twink on the drums. Like, I know I'm not tripping. And I'm like, let me see if I can find her. Um, and, and then ended up inviting her to be a part of the program. Like, super, like, she came all the way through. Um, oh. Who else? Uh, I said, sweet Cherie. Oh, um, we were trying to work with um, fucking Maisha of Maisha and the Hip Hoppers. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. um, yeah. She but just passed, didn't she? She just passed, yeah. We have been working yeah. on this for a long time. So, um, or at least we, you know, my, shout out to my team, Art Lab, my homies, my niggas. I'm sorry, I was like, just a little bit. But um, Janae, Nia, Alyssa, and the head of the helm, Andre. It's literally, it's literally me, Andre, Janae, Alyssa, five black women running this whole show, basically. Wow. Nice. Wow. Nice. So that's what I mean by taking it back full circle again when you ask me, what have I been doing? I've been getting filled up. Dope. I've been getting filled up. That's that's dope. I've been Good making music. It's been nice. I can't lie. I've been growing my business, um, pivoting my business, I should say. I have a business called Hair Sprinkles. Um, and I have clients, so it's a it's a hair service. Um, it's funny. It's funny to hear you say how how much you're enjoying this because I've talked to so many other artists who are just dying because <laughs> they don't have gigs <laughs> and they're not finding ways to be creative. But it seems um, like you found so many ways to be creative and so many ways to stay happy throughout this whole situation. You know, even despite what's going on on the outside. But you definitely, you definitely seem. Like you're, you just have this motivating aura 
about you that needs to be just it needs to be shined on a right lot here. of yep. a lot of people oh. out there especially people of color it really really does so you know i hope people go um check out the project um because you you're you're definitely one of very few who are shedding some light on what's what's been happening on here so me personally, I appreciate you saying that because I'm one of those Thank people that's just been like doom and gloom. But <laughs> no, oh. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that because even in it, I I don't know some of it too was like um, I heard someone say this. So sometimes I feel like that because I know that it's like you know. It's very tough right now for a lot of people. And I empathize with that. And I also discovered that in this time that I am really a lot more empathetic than I realized. Um, A lot more empathetic than our president. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I think everybody is. Most people probably are. For sure. Yeah. Oh, you guys. (laughs) That's funny. Any any other brothers got any questions for Amber? She just answered mine. I was gonna ask her what's the what's the biggest thing she learned about herself, but she just explained all of that. Oh it, wow! Prophetic out here. Yeah, beat you to it. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I guess that would be a big one for sure, and Dope. probably, you know, just gratitude. I'm a, I mean, I've been appreciative, but I'm like, wake up in the morning every single day, like, super grateful and thankful and just, like, making time to express that gratitude on a daily basis. Nice. That's wonderful. Nice. That's what it's all about. Because yeah. it couldn't, it could not be that. And I've, exactly. I mean, unfortunately, even though, you know, the country is where it is, there's been times where I've felt probably the weight and the hurt of what the country feels and nobody else feels it but me. And it's just mm-hmm. me. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So I even take like the brightness or the, the optimism that I'm feeling and experiencing right now. That's why I said earlier, like, this is my season and it doesn't have to look like that to anybody else, but I feel that. Um, but, I, you know, I also feel, you know, what is clearly just like gut-wrenching right now. But there's, you know, it's balanced duality. We find the peaks, the highs, the lows. Mm-hmm. I, I think I think at the end of the day, we'll we'll always get to a point where as Black people, you can suppress us you can oppress us and we'll always find that silver lining mm-hmm. in everything because we are people that are diligent and we're, we have we're diligent in how we how we move and we always find a way to find the rainbow or just find the the goodness out of any any dire situation you know even i mean you take out the racist situations you just take covid you know, and we've, mm. we've been able to, you know, find a way to navigate through that whole thing. I mean, as individuals, as artists, as as people, you know, it, it looked when, when COVID first hit, it looked like it wasn't even going to affect the United States. 
Yeah. And then we came here and it, it, it affected everything. It shut down everything. And then we were still able to, you know, move around that, you know, and mm-hmm. find ways to like, to be happy, to find our happy places and all that stuff. So I think even with the race, racist or the racism uh, situations, we, we're going to have to find a way to move around those as well. And as you know, the old saying goes, we shall overcome, you know, it's just one of those things that we've always been able to do as, as a people, you know, so. Yeah. I think uh, kudos to you for finding finding happiness in this dark time because a lot of people, like John said, haven't been able to find that, and mm-hmm. you know people are trying to find a way to 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 find their own happiness, even with the little minuscule things. They're finding happiness and things that just bring them a little joy. And yeah, so the the, the fact that you're able to provide happiness or provide a space for happiness for other people through art, you know, in a pandemic is impressive and it should be applauded thanks (laughs) oh man seriously so yeah i guess we can we'll we'll ask i guess i'll ask the last question is like what's what's next for you like what what do you have coming up next well coming up next um i am working on another endeavor with a business i have called hair sprinkles um, so I'm excited to move forward with um, expanding my educational resources with that. I teach a workshop um, for a skill that is of my own, and I'm so proud of it. Um, but anyway, moving forward with that, making some educational opportunities more available, um, working on some new music, um, and I've been having fun. Right. I've been having fun making music again. It's weird because I like I'll start producing stuff and I'll like leave it alone for a little while, then I'll come back to it and just like just keep making. And I'm not being so strict on myself as I as I once was before. Um, I've put out projects before, so I'm just like kind of letting it letting it take its own course. Um, and it's been good. Um, so yeah, that's what I'm doing. Chilling, cool, working, cool. staying creative. Good, that's right. it. So I guess uh I guess Amber can stay on for this segment because this is how we wrap up the show anyway. And we'll we'll wrap the show how we always wrap the show with our artists of the week. And everybody can go through their artists of the week, who they're listening to, what's been inspiring throughout the week. Uh Ooh. Trey's been kind of quiet, so I'm gonna let Trey start off. <laughs> Uh, probably a good thing, right? Um, so yeah, so I'm going to talk about um, um, Pat Metheny's Unity Band album. Oh, yeah. um, it's not new, <laughs> but it's what, it's what I've been really? listening to. It's what he was listening to when we started his podcast. Right? I haven't listened to Pat Metheny in a long time. Oh shoot! I was just listening to it. Yeah, when we started. Um, and shout out to uh, Ben. Uh, ben Williams is the bass player. Oh, from, he's from oh, the city. Yeah. Shout out, he's a bass player on that album. Um, I I was just telling That's the fellas before this podcast that uh, I got I have a whole new respect for Ben's playing. I mean, like I mean, Ben can play, so I mean, it wasn't like that surprising. Are you surprised? But, but no, <laughs> I mean, but dude, he's holding the guys he's holding court with on this particular album, and the way. That that bass sounds on this album like that that's that's pretty crazy, like 
it doesn't have to be your boy or somebody you know or whatever. Like I would be like, I would have been looking him up regardless of who it was when I heard that record. Um, nice. Because like, yeah, that, that he's, he's really holding it down. Him, Chris Potter, Pat Metheny and, um, um, and Sanchez on drums. So like, yeah. It's very well, shout, shout out to Ben Williams. He got a new project out called I'm a Man. So check that out too. Like he had oh, a new yeah, project yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 that's out now. Yeah. He's singing on the record and everything too. So it's you know what? Yeah. Ben is singing. Oh, I've got to hear this. This is incredible. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of cats singing now. Yeah. That was like not singing. Not before. me. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> I mean, I'm I good heard for that Jay Hill's a singer. Yeah, he was absolutely a singer. I dabble. Thank you. What, what you got, John? What? Um. All right. Well, I'm gonna go with uh, an artist who is probably not uh, as well known as a solo artist as he is um, as a freelance musician. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. So here in the D.C. area, there's a there's a cat who is uh, probably one of my favorite drummers ever. Uh, ever. Um, and he goes by the name of Sean the Rick Rickman. Oh, wow. Um, mm-hmm. And Sean's father was uh, a guy named Phil Upchurch, who was also a guitarist. And um, Phil was, you guys know the song Working Day and Night by um, Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson, yeah. So Phil Upchurch was the guitar player where you hear um So that part, that's Phil Upchurch. He's like, yo, hey, wait, wait, wait. He's like, I did Why would you do that? Everyone knows that. You know, he walked into a bar was like, you know that then in that part? That's all me, baby. Um, Phil, Phil, uh, Donnie Hathaway introduced uh, Phil to um, his wife. Um, Phil used to play for Michael Jackson, used to play for Donnie Hathaway, Marvin Gaye, um, anybody, any soul singer from the 70s and the early 80s, Phil played for um, and was a very, very uh, acclaimed artist. Um, some of his stuff is available on on Spotify, but this this particular album called Revelation um, is is kind of hard to find. Um, I just happened upon it uh, on Up eBay. Up and um, there's a song on here right that I believe is produced by Russell Ferrante from the Yellow Jackets. Wow. Um, oh. But oh. Um, he is a phenomenal, phenomenal artist. And his son is, his son, Sean Rickman, is even more phenomenal. Sean has got solo records out right now. He's got a record called One. Um, I cannot think of the second one, but uh, he's been one of my favorite drummers uh, for the last 20, 25 years. But my artist of the week is Phil Upchurch. Shout mm. out to John Lane for always bringing in the wow. local talent too. Like he's always repping hey man, the, I got the local a record. talent. <laughs> I know That's everybody. That's a rare find. I know I would everybody. Have never came across that. Uh, Jay Hill, you'll go. So, um, little known artist. They actually just uploaded uh, one of his live shows to YouTube. All right, no, I'm lying. It's Prince. Um, so, <laughs> it's the live show with Prince and the Revolution 
and it's actually they actually released the audio along with it but it is basically right after the movie was done um pancakes it's so eerie yo it's so eerie to hear everything sound just like the record i mean he's got some like some minor differences but it is so fucking clean and so like you can see he's at the point where I am the shit, you can't tell me anything else. This is how it's gonna go. Let's just do it. So nice. Yeah. Prince in the Revolution. You know it's right. crazy. I just I just I was in um Yellow Springs this past week for um Dave Chappelle's birthday party. And uh it's crazy because I have the keyboard player that played the gig with us, he had what he called the Prince Vault, which is like three to five gigs of just rehearsals between 83 and 88. Oh, 83 and 90. Because he was was bragging about it. He's like, his homeboy used to play for Prince. And, you know, I played with Fred Yane, so Fred was like, who was your homeboy? Because he used to play with Prince. So he's like, we're having this whole conversation. And he's like, yeah, man, he gave me all these demos from these these rehearsal tapes. And I was like, dude, uh, where where are they? And he was like, on my hard drive. I was like, where's your hard drive? He's like, oh, it's right over there. And I was like, soup. You got him. <laughs> Plug up to my computer. I'm looking at him right now. <laughs> Shit. So I have all these rehearsals. I haven't even listened to him yet. Um, I listened to. Yeah, yeah I, know, I know. My I know. birthday was last week, so <laughs> I know. Uh, I know. I know. I got you. You haven't given me my present yet. I got you. I got you. So, <laughs> um, that being said, my artist of the week comes because of two reasons. I was in the Midwest. I've been in the Midwest on and off for the past couple of weeks doing shows. And a lot of the musicians from the Midwest, a lot of the piano players that I came in contact with, and this is not no slight to them because they're talented musicians, they're all dope, but they didn't really know who Ah. Jay Dilla was. And it baffled me. I was sitting there like, what? What do you mean you don't know who Jay Dilla? They thought, one of my my homies thought Jay Dilla was from DC. And I was like, (laughs) oh, that's terrible. So (laughs) I was like, I have to educate you because you have to know who this guy is. And, and you know, we, we all we all worked in the, on the DC Loves Dilla project with John and um, Munch, you know, and that was, that was a really big part of, that was, a, that was 10 years, was, right? 10 was, years of our lives that we worked on this project. And we gave, we gave a lot of time and effort to learning about the, um, the man. Yeah, it was teaching. JNC. And um, for me, for me to be around musicians who hadn't, who, who knew they, well, I put like this, who who didn't know they were exposed to him, but were exposed to him. It felt yeah. like it was my duty to like be like, yo, you know who Jay Dilla is. You just don't right. know who Jay Dilla is. Right. Like, you don't know right. the stuff that he did because you don't you don't associate a name with the stuff that you heard. But he did a lot of stuff that you heard and that you probably love. So it was my job to kind of like I felt like it was my duty to kind of like pass on this this Jay Dilla source sure. to the cast that didn't. So my record and my artist of the week would be J-Lib Champion Sound. That was my record Ooh. that I, I kind of showed them. Uh, and, you know, it was it's a timeless piece of music. You know, I can listen to that. I can't listen to it around my kids because I realized that a lot, <laughs> like, I was I was trying to find an instrumental because I was like, hey, wait, whoa, I put on one you song. You didn't play like, Strip Club to them? No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, I hit track one and I was like, it was like, nigga, I was like, oh, what, what, what? Yeah. <laughs> like, but... At the same time, it's it's a it's a epic piece of music. Um, that collaboration, if I'm not if I'm mistaken from Ron John, they they did it 
they rapped over each other's beats, but they weren't around each other when they did it. They just kind of sent each other music. Yeah, well, it started off when Mad Lib um, f- took a Dilla beat tape and he made it into an actual album himself. Mm-hmm. And Dilla heard about it and he was like, you know, like, yo, what the fuck is going on? Like, if we're going to do this, let's do this right. All right. And he was like, all right. So, yeah, they Dilla sent him beats, Mad Lib sent him beats, and they did it separately. And they mixed it just like you heard it. It wasn't mastered or anything. So, like, that collaborative effort is is to be heralded as one of the great moments in music history because it was it was pretty dope. J-Lib, Champion Sound, check it out. It's really dope. And yeah. if you can go listen to any J-Dilla or Mad Lib music, please go check it out. Them dudes are dope. Yeah. The dope producers, dope artists in their own right. Um, I don't know if we lost Amber now. Amber, you still there? I'm still here. All right, we'll, we'll let you we'll let you close the segment out with your artist of the week. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, I had to I had to step out. My artist of the week is I've been listening to a lot of Bossa Nova music lately. Um, mm. I've been taking a lot of bike rides, so when I listen to Bossa Nova, it makes me feel like, ooh, I'm in Brazil. Mm. Going through a little town. Brazil, Southeast. <laughs> Southeast Brazil. Yeah, hey, hey, that works. That works too. But I've been listening to this artist. I had to pull his name up. Uh, Marcos Ballet. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Yes. Yes. I... <laughs> yes, yes, Amber. You'll notice oh, that like, on, this, on this podcast, anytime there's an artist that none of us have heard of, John has heard of him. <laughs> No, oh, Marcus Val- I'm gonna tell you who Marcus Valley is. He is the Brazilian artist from the 70s, but he had a song called Estrelar. That's that- the joint up yes. popping. And oh. that song, that song did not become famous until it came out on a commercial for Southern Comfort. And you guys have seen the commercial. It's a it's a it's a commercial of a black guy and he's holding a drink. And he's just standing there and he's just dancing. I'm going to send you all the link. He's just dancing. (laughs) And the music is so dope that people Googled Googled the song. And he came out of hiding and is now touring. Well, not not now, but for the past five years has been doing nothing but touring based off of that commercial. Marcus Valley is the shit. Nice. Yeah, he's dope. The fact that you have this little like nugget of information just sitting. John's a hey, music, man, like, he's a music he's a music guy. You, you I'm, can't I'm get a music much nerd, it. man. <laughs> I'm a music nerd. I got I got stories for day and I listen to a lot of uh, Questlove Supreme. So I'm a music nerd. <laughs> shout out to Questlove oh, too. Shout out to Questlove. Yeah shout he out he was Quest. in Yellow Springs this weekend playing drums. I had a chance to play with him. It was cool cool. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah no that's I've literally had that song even just like I'm on repeat. Me and my mom, yeah. uh, um, my godmother lives out, like out, out in uh, Maryland. Notice the out, out, you know, it's far, far. Oh, the outskirts. Like water. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Like, oh, further than like, that? Like, beyond water. Like, she's like, she has like a farm and shit. She's far out. Wow. wow. Yeah, she's far. She's fucking far. Cornfields and everything. Nice. But my mom and I drove out there one day. Um, and my mom rented rented like a Corvette. I was playing that song over and over again, Damn. top down. Oh, it's so nice. Nice. So, that shit is dope. Yeah. That's, I'm fucking with that nigga. 
Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Again, thank you, Amber, for joining us and giving us your perspective yeah, yeah, on race. Oh, thanks for having also, me, can guys. Also, you, can you tell people again where they, can, where they can find your stuff, like your Instagram, your Twitter, and all that good stuff? Oh, I don't have Twitter. What? Um, yeah, I have a Twitter, but I don't use it. Man. Okay. Inactive Twitter. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Inactive Instagram. Twitter. <laughs> Inactive Twitter. Instagram, Amber Mims, A-M-B-E-R-M-I-N-Z. Um, yeah, go there. You'll find everything that I talked about. Everything Sweet. that I mentioned, you'll find it there. Are you going in now, Trey? What are you doing? I am. I'm going in now. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, again, people, thank you for, for joining us. This has been Sports and Things. I am Dennis Turner, your host. And as always, you got John Lane, Jay Hill, and Trey Ely, and our special guest, Amber Mims. Uh, check us out. You can subscribe like everywhere. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram at uh, sports, but it's at sports and things with Z's uh, on Instagram and at IZ Sports on Twitter. Um, and right. we'll be here weekly as we always are. Thank you guys for tuning in, um, and we'll catch you next week. Peace. Peace. Uh. Uh, 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 yeah. We got the vibe on deck, bro. Four dope brothers talking sports, so let's go. If you could just imagine some dudes into music, get together to talk trash about whose teams is losing. So here we go. Deep Turner, John Lane, Trey Illy, Jay Hill, the MVP, caught in the history. So now what? They got their mics and gizmos. Podcast rapper for DC, what it is, Mo. Yeah, we talking sports and things. From rookies who bore the vets who about to get more rings, plus more things, like a jam session. Or something, yep. then we beefing because our favorite team, John like slumming, John like, like pumping yeah. over podcasts and steady every O. You want more than that whole hum, so here we go. Yeah, we go from bars to beats to podcast or astro turf with balls and clicks like that, y'all. Talking sports and things, huh? talking sports and things, huh? priest the nomad, uh, talking sports and things, huh? we're talking sports and things. D Turner, John Lane, talking sports and things, baby, we're talking sports and things. Trey Illy. Jake Hill, talking sports and things, talking sports and things, yeah, D.C., baby, Thanks for listening to Sports and Things featuring John Lane, Trey Ely, Jay Hill, and Dennis Turner. Be sure to follow and subscribe for our upcoming episodes. You can also reach the team on Instagram at S-P-O-R-T-Z-A-N-D-T-H-I-N-G-Z and on Twitter at I-Z-S-P-O-R-T-Z. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.